Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Feminization Boudoir Podcast from Candy Apple Press. I am your host, Kylie Gable. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about May, because it will be May before we know it. And traditionally, the two months that I take off from new episodes of the podcast are November and May. And I still intend to take May off. Um, May, um, there will be no new um, episodes on the um, the free uh, Feminization Boudoir podcast, just like, you know, previous Mays. However, since I'm asking people who subscribe to the premium to still um, pay for the month of May... Um, I want to give new content, and I think what I'm going to do is I have a lot of audios that are on Audible that are, you know, not available in their completed form, and I think maybe I will go into there and bring some newly completed but older um, audios. I have some really good ones in there, some great narrators, and I think you'll like them. So... Just a alert on to what's going to be coming up in a few weeks. I find those, you know, the month that I take off in May and the month I take off in November, I try to do as little writing as possible, too, and I just try to take care of some of the things that have been neglected, whether that means writing stuff that isn't erotica, taking care of chores and errands that I've been putting off, or even things like doing a newsletter. So... Um, I really think that I come back with a better podcast, with better books, and I think it's it's a must. Today, um, we're trying a new audio, a new narrator, um, and the series, it's the first part of a series that I'm actually currently writing, which is called Drive and Sissy. It takes place in 1986, and so there is a little bit of an 80s vibe there, and um it's a guy who's gotten his first job working at a drive-in theater, uh, his uncle's drive-in theater. He's the only guy on the job, and he doesn't take the job very seriously, which really rankles the women who he is working with. And that sets up our little conflict. Uh, the, the narrator, always looking for, for new voices, and this is a narrator who I think really does a great job with the younger voice, um, just like London. I'd love to have London recording for us again sometime soon. Um, and so Monica Loy, this is her audio, and uh, if you like it, let me know. It's Drive-In Sissy, part one. Drive-In Sissy by Kylie Gable. Jim Reedy didn't seem like your typical 18-year-old guy. His shoulder-length raven black hair had big, voluminous curls that bounced with every move, a style that somehow looked more Susanna Hoffs than John Bon Jovi. His bright blue eyes were framed with thick, dark eyelashes, and his creamy skin was blemish-free. He had a slender yet toned figure, and his ensembles were bold enough to stand out even in the eclectic fashion of the late 80s. He was almost too good-looking, making him the center of attention wherever he went. He had just graduated from high school and was excited to start working at his uncle's drive-in movie theater for the summer. He thought it would be an easy way to earn some extra money and make some new friends. But when he got started, it didn't quite turn out the way he envisioned it. 
The four young women who worked at the theater had all been there for at least a few years and had grown accustomed to the routine and their job roles. At first, they were happy to have a fifth employee joining the team, and the fact that he was a guy meant that if there was a problem in the men's room or anything, he'd be able to handle it much easier than they could. Jim couldn't have been more excited as he arrived at his uncle's drive-in movie theater. He was ready to take on the challenge of being a part of the summer staff and make some money. As he walked in, he was welcomed with open arms by the four young women who were already there. Amy and Valerie Lane were the twins of the group, both with blonde hair and bright blue eyes, though Valerie's hair was a little longer. They were the life of the party, always finding a way to bring laughter and joy to the theater, often getting their co-workers to join in on their shenanigans. They were also fiercely loyal to each other and could often be seen standing side by side, making jokes and singing along to the latest pop hits. Evelyn Chavez had dark brown eyes and an ass that practically hypnotized Jim. She was serious and fiercely independent, a trait that she cultivated when she moved to the United States from Mexico in third grade. She spoke three languages fluently and rarely let anyone intimidate her. She gave everybody the impression that she was incredibly serious, but once you got to know her, you immediately learned of her fun side. Kim Boyd was the oldest and most experienced of the four, with long, shiny black hair and light olive skin. She was a natural leader, always taking charge when necessary and mentoring the younger staff. She was also the most rational and level-headed of the four, always thinking before she spoke and pushing the others to see the bigger picture. Though the four young women had their own individual personalities, it didn't take long for Jim to start irritating these young women. He tried to take over the job roles of the existing staff and boss people around. He made sexist comments and jokes. He was overly friendly with the female customers. He complained about the mundane tasks. He got defensive when the girls gave him advice. He tried to flirt with the female staff, and he took too many breaks during his shift. The four young women had been working together for a while now, and they were definitely not pleased with Jim's behavior. They had all grown accustomed to the routine and their job roles, so Jim's antics were really getting on their nerves. Making matters worse was that for Jim, this was just a summer job. He would earn some money, and no matter how badly he did it, his uncle would never fire him. For the girls, this was a long-term job. They were here until they earned enough money to go to afford to go away for college or in Kim's place, could save enough to buy a chair at a beauty salon or open her own place. Jim wasn't open to learning the job from the more experienced women, and when mistakes were made, he would blame others instead of taking responsibility himself. He often tried to flirt with the customers and took too many breaks during shifts. He didn't show respect to the women he worked with and failed to understand the importance of their job roles or the tasks requested of him. One time, he decided that he had an easier way to make the pretzel snacks. By preparing the pretzels well in advance, the quality would go way down, but it would be easier on the concession stand. 
Unfortunately, in the middle of trying this new technique, he got distracted by a cute redhead and forgot about the pretzels until they were burned to smithereens. The expense wasn't that big a deal, but now the concession stand would have a horrible burning smell for over a week. We don't need you flirting with all the customers, said Kim firmly. It's unprofessional and inappropriate, but even worse, you're always distracted. We're here to work, not to flirt. You need to listen to us, said Valerie, her voice stern yet still full of kindness. We're here to help you, not criticize you. We want you to do the job the best you can, and for that you need to take our advice. We've been doing this a while and we can help you. Jim rolled his eyes and crossed his arms. I'm doing the best I can, he said. You're always bossing me around and I can't do it all. It's not like I need someone telling me what to do. What you need, Kim said, her voice cool but steady, is to learn from us. We've all been working here for years, and we know what's expected. We're here to help you, not criticize you. If you want to do well, then you need to listen to us and take our advice. Valerie nodded in agreement. We all want you to do well, Jim. That's why we're trying so hard to help, even if it's sometimes hard for you to hear. We know it can be hard to swallow your pride, but sometimes it's the only way to learn. We just want to be sure that you're doing the job the best way you can. Jim sighed and looked away, feeling embarrassed yet determined. Okay, I get it. I'll try to take your advice and do the job better. If the women thought things were going to get easier, they were sorely disappointed. Jim always seemed to find a way to make the same mistake twice, often in the same night. He bickered with the other staff, made jokes at the wrong times, and missed cues he should have noticed. The final straw came when he started making inappropriate comments to Amy and Valerie about twins. The women had enough and they finally complained to his uncle. One evening when Larry was at the theater, the girls all approached him as a team. They told him just how difficult Jim had been to work with. While Larry liked Jim a lot, he also knew he couldn't run his business with all his employees in outright revolt. He knew he'd have to give Jim a talking to if he was going to have any peace. Larry looked sternly at Jim as he said, You know, I've heard some complaints about your work and attitude here. Jim gulped, trying not to look too scared. Complaints? What kind of complaints? Well... I heard from the girls that you aren't taking their advice, and they feel like they don't have any authority over you. They feel like they are trying to help you, but all you do is ignore them. Is this true? Jim sighed and looked down. I'm sorry. I know I can be stubborn, and I'm not always great at listening to advice. But I really do want to do a good job here, and I'm just trying to find my place. It's hard being the only guy here and sometimes it feels like the girls are just trying to keep me down. They don't want to help me, and they always isolate me when I'm around. Larry nodded. I understand. It can be hard to be the only guy in a group of girls. It's like they all have their own language. They need to include you. I wish they would, said Jim. I know I could do a good job if they'd just give me a chance. He paused and looked Jim in the eyes. Jim, 
If the girls are going to help you, they need to stop isolating you and share their knowledge with you. At the end of the day, we all need to work together and help each other out. That's the only way you're going to be successful here. Jim nodded. I understand. I'll try harder to listen and take their advice. I'll also make sure to include them and not make them feel like I'm going against them. Larry smiled. Good. I think you can do it. Just remember, everyone needs help sometimes, and when you get it, make sure you don't ignore it. Do you think you can do that? Jim smiled and said, Yes, I can do that. I'm going to do my best. Larry clapped him on the back. That's the spirit. I'm going to have a talk with the girls, too, and let them know that they need to do a better job, including you, and respect your ideas. Jim nodded. Thank you. I appreciate it. When Jim went back to work, the girls were waiting expectantly for him to leave or at least apologize, but instead he just looked back at them with a Cheshire grin befitting any Bond villain. Twenty minutes later, Larry called the girls over for a huddle. What did he want? Amy asked as soon as Larry called them over. First of all, Larry began, I want to thank you all for doing such a great job here. I know it's been difficult having Jim work with you, but he's really trying to do his best, and I want to make sure that you are all helping him out and teaching him what he needs to know. The girls exchanged glances, unsure of how to respond. Valerie spoke up first. But Larry, he's not trying to learn. He's been ignoring us and not taking our advice and suggestions. He needs to take responsibility for his own actions, not rely on us to tell him what to do. Kim nodded in agreement. We're here to help him, but he's not taking our help and it's making it difficult for all of us to do our jobs. Evelyn crossed her arms and added, And he's said a lot of sexist comments to us and flirts with the customers. I don't think that's very professional and it makes us uncomfortable. Larry sighed and looked at them sympathetically. I know it's hard for all of you, and I understand your frustration, but Jim is still learning and he needs your help. I know it's frustrating, but try to be patient with him and help him understand our procedures and expectations. He's going to make mistakes, but if we all work together, I'm sure he'll get the hang of things soon. The girls exchanged glances again, unsure of how to respond. Finally, Amy spoke up. We understand, Larry. We'll try our best to be patient and help Jim. Larry smiled. One more thing. I think he's feeling isolated as the only guy. I need you to really include him and make him feel comfortable. You want us to make him one of the girls, smirked Valerie. I wouldn't put it like that, but yes, I want him to feel like he belongs, Larry replied. Show him the ropes and he'll be a great worker. The girls agreed to do their best to include Jim and make him feel like a part of the team. But they were not happy that Larry treated this as if they were all equally at fault. That wasn't right. The girls sat in the parking lot after closing time, drinking beer and chewing the breeze. Evelyn had her car's windows open and the radio volume up so everybody could enjoy some music. At this particular moment, it was level 42 blasting out of the old Pontiac in stereo. Kim was the first to speak up, 
her voice full of frustration. I can't believe Larry just brushed off our complaints like that, she said. I mean, Jim is the one who's been flirting with customers, not paying attention to our advice and being a total jerk. He doesn't deserve special treatment just because he's the only guy there. That's true, Valerie said, her voice angry and indignant. He shouldn't get away with it just because he's a guy. He's not a guy, joked Evelyn. He's one of the girls, remember? The girls laughed, and then Amy said, I'd like to show him the ropes. Yeah, but how? Kim asked. What's wrong with a nice tight hog tie? Joked Amy. The girls all laughed, but then got serious as they tried to figure out what to do with Jim. He's too arrogant, said Valerie. He needs to be taken down a peg. But how? asked Kim. Well, we could start small, suggested Amy. We could start by having him do all the menial tasks, like cleaning up the concession stand or refilling the popcorn machines. That way he'll start to see that we all have to do our part and that he'll need to start listening to us. Evelyn disagreed. He won't listen to us, and if we have him doing all the menial tasks, he's going to complain to his uncle. Valerie nodded. You're right. We need a bigger plan. We need to show Jim that he's not above the rest of us, that we're all equals in this. Kim thought for a moment and then smiled. I'm sure I can come up with something. The girls all looked at her in anticipation, and she continued. How about we have Jim take on a bigger project that we're all working on? I mean, we're all putting up with him, but let's put our heads together and find a solution. Is this one of those things we have to include Jim on? Joked Evelyn. He is one of the girls now, teased Amy. A couple of nights later, Jim was flirting with a customer at work when she slyly invited him to go for a walk behind the drive-in. He thought it would be a romantic moment, but instead she led him deep into the woods and told him to take off his clothes. Jim, feeling a little awkward, complied. He slowly removed his shirt and pants, feeling more and more excited with each item he took off. He could feel his face turning red, his heart racing as the customer, a beautiful redhead named Lauren, watch him take off his clothes. When Jim was finally standing in the middle of the woods, stark naked and feeling a bit foolish, but more turned on than he ever had in his previous 18 years of life, Lauren smiled coyly and told him, Don't worry, Jim. I left something for you. You'll find it at the edge of the woods on the path back to the drive-in. Bye now. Then without another word, she turned and ran back to the concession stand, carrying all his clothes with her. Jim was left dazed and confused. What had just happened? He ran to the edge of the woods, where he found a short red dress and a pair of black high heels waiting for him. He quickly put the dress on, trying to hide his nakedness. He didn't want to wear the heels, but the ground was rocky. He was still very embarrassed, but he was relieved to have an outfit to wear back to the concession stand. Jim was marched into the woods, feeling defeated until he reaches an old tree. The girls tie him tightly to the tree, each step of the rope binding, tying him more securely to the tree. He watches in horror as they step back and admire their handiwork. 
As they start laughing and pointing at him, Jim's anger starts to return. Jim couldn't believe what was happening. He had never felt so helpless before. He was tightly bound to the tree with thick ropes, his wrists and ankles securely wound around its gnarled trunk. The ropes felt like iron bands around his body, pinning him in place and leaving him unable to move. Kim gagged him with a dish towel so he couldn't even call for help. He watched in horrified silence as the girls laughed and pointed at him, enjoying the joke at his expense. "'What do you think you're doing?' he shouted through the gag. "'Let me out of here!' The girls just laughed harder, and Amy replied, "'Oh, come on, Jim, we're just showing you the ropes!' They left him there, helpless, angry, and embarrassed. Jim was left alone in the woods for what felt like hours. He struggled to get free, but the ropes held firm and he was beginning to tire. He was terrified that night would come and he would be stuck there all night. Jim tried to contain his anger as he stood there helplessly bound to the tree. He was scared and embarrassed, and he felt more vulnerable than he had ever felt in his life. Every hour or so, one of his co-workers would come out to the woods on her break to further humiliate him. First, Amy came out and began doing his hair. Well, well, look at you, all tied up like a present, she taunted. We knew you'd look better with a little makeover, so we decided to give you one. You look a little different, all dressed up like a girl. I guess it's not so bad being on the other side. He wanted to scream, but the gag muffled his cries. All he could do was stand there stoically as she pulled and tugged. She put it in girlish curls and added a bright pink ribbon on the right side. Jim was relieved that she hadn't done anything permanent to him, but he knew his hair looked feminine and ridiculous. Next, Valerie brought out a makeup kit and began applying blush, mascara, and eyeshadow to Jim's face. Now don't get too excited. We're not going to make you look like a supermodel, she said. Only a little better, so us girls won't have to hide you when customs come around. You should thank us for making you more presentable. He tried to turn his head away, but she grabbed his chin tightly and forced him to stay still. She looked sadly at her cherry red lipstick, but decided not to ungag him and could only apply the lipstick around the towels that had been tied into his mouth. He felt more humiliated than ever by the time she was finished. Kim came out with a can of body spray and sprayed it all over his body. "'What's the matter? Afraid you're going to smell bad?' she said. "'Honestly, you should be thanking us. Now you won't have to worry about people being able to smell you from a mile away.' He closed his eyes and tried to imagine himself somewhere else. Anywhere but there. She didn't say a word, but spoke with her actions as she gave him a good spritzing. Finally, Evelyn came out with a pink razor and a can of woman's shaving stomach dropped as he watched her slowly and methodically shave his legs. This was the worst thing that anybody had done. The hair wouldn't just grow back while he could remove the other things if he ever could get loose. It's really not that bad, she said. You'll get used to it, I promise. Maybe you should thank us for giving you a more feminine look. It's about time you learn to embrace your inner girl. Jim was humiliated more than ever as she worked away, 
but he was grateful that she was careful not to cut him. When she was finished, all four girls gathered around him, taunting and teasing him. He felt like an animal in a zoo, with them as his captors. He was trapped, unable to escape. They laughed and joked about his plight as they snapped picture after picture, but he just stared at the ground, too embarrassed to look at them. Finally, after about an hour, they grew bored and decided to leave him there, tied up and humiliated. Kim was nice enough to free Jim's hands from behind his back so that he'd be able to get himself free at some point before flashing him a wicked smile and waving in a cheeky way. Jim was filled with a mixture of emotions as he watched them walk away. He was still embarrassed, but now he was also mad. He had made up his mind that the girls would never get the better of him again. Add dialogue to the last two paragraphs as the girls tease him. Well, I guess this is goodbye, laughed Amy. Thanks for being our doll for the night. Yeah, added Valerie. Remember, no matter what you do, you'll always look like one of us. Kim stepped closer and said, Don't worry, we won't tell anyone what we did here tonight. That would be way too embarrassing for you. Evelyn then grinned. This was way too much fun. I think it's time to go. Don't forget, you owe us all a thank you. I guess you're one of the girls now, laughed Amy. With that, they all laughed and walked away leaving Jim standing there in abject humiliation. He was filled with a mixture of emotions as he watched them walk away. He was still embarrassed, but he was also mad. He had made up his mind that the girls would never get the better of him again. After about half an hour, Jim was finally able to release his bonds and make his way to his car. It was only when he got there that he realized his keys were still in his pants locked inside the concession stand. It was a three-mile walk back home, but what really made it difficult was walking in the pumps that Lauren had left him. He was never so glad to take them off when he finally made it back home. Despite the humiliation he had just experienced, Jim was still determined to confront the girls the next day. He was going to make sure they all knew that they had not beaten him. The next day at work, Jim made sure to walk in confidently and with his head held high. His co-workers seemed to sense something was wrong, as they were all looking at him with narrowed eyes and raised eyebrows. Jim walked straight up to the group of girls, who were huddled together near the coffee machine. He stopped in front of them and stared each one straight in the eyes. You all think you're so clever, he said. Well, I'm here to tell you that you're wrong. I can't believe you thought you could get away with what you did to me last night. The girls all looked at each other nervously, not sure how to respond. Jim looked at each of them in turn, knowing that he had the power here. But you were wrong, he continued. You didn't break me, you didn't make me less of a man. I'm still the same person I was yesterday. I'm still the same person I'll be tomorrow. But your legs look so much better, teased Amy. Is that perfume? asked Evelyn, sniffing the air around him in an exaggerated way. I noticed you didn't bring the dress or shoes back, taunted Valerie. Did you like them too much to part with them? Jim stared them down. 
I'm not leaving here until you all agree to never do anything like that to me, or anyone, ever again. Do you understand? Sure, you're right, said Kim. Your clothes are in the employee bathroom. We won't ever put you in a dress again unless you literally get down on your knees and beg us to put you in one. Good. That's all I wanted to hear. Jim walked away, feeling better than he had in a long time. He was still embarrassed, but he also felt a sense of pride. No matter what they did, he had stood his ground and made sure that he wasn't broken by their actions. He proudly walked through the door of the employee restroom to find the walls covered with pictures of him in the dress. In some of them, he was tied to the tree, but there were ones of him standing in the concession stand. Somebody had even gotten pictures of him getting dressed in the woods. He was shocked, and he began tearing down all the pictures from the walls. When he left the bathroom with all the pictures in his hands, he saw the four young women standing in front of him with their arms crossed. "'Well, you got the employee bathroom. What about the other bathrooms?' asked Amy. "'Oh, my God!' cried Jim, rushing towards the customer bathrooms before Kim stopped him. "'Relax, we didn't put the pictures in there. It's just our little secret,' she said. "'For now, anyway,' added Valerie. "'Do you think you want to tell your uncle about our little fun?' Jim shook his head. He knew that he was still the butt of their joke. But he didn't want his uncle to see him as anything less than manly, even if the girls did enjoy teasing him a little. Jim grinned. All right, let's just forget about it, all right? I won't tell a soul, but you all have to promise not to do anything like this again. It was embarrassing, and I don't want to repeat it. The girls all laughed. You're not exactly in a position to make any deals, said Evelyn. What size are your feet? Those heels last night seemed to fit you perfectly. Jim's heart sank. They still weren't letting it go. Why do you care what size me feet are? asked Jim, his voice rising in frustration. Answer the question, demanded Valerie. Fine, sighed Jim. I wear a size eight. The girls all exchanged knowing looks, and Jim knew that he was in for it. He just hoped that whatever they had planned was a little more mild than last night. Perfect, said Evelyn. Let's swap. Jim stared at Evelyn's shoes. They were so girly. They were high heel sandals with at least a three-inch heel and a delicate strap to wrap around the ankle. They were so much worse than the shoes he wore last night. You have to be joking, muttered Jim. We're not, said Valerie. Put them on. Jim's heart sank as he reluctantly put on the shoes and realized that his co-workers were going to continue the humiliation they put him through the night before. Evelyn helped Jim step into her shoes and tied the strap around his ankle as the other girls snickered. Jim felt the embarrassment wash over him yet again as he looked down at his feet encased in the girly sandals. His feet were still sore from the night before. But somebody will see, protested Jim. Yes, agreed Kim. Us. You're working concession, so most people won't even notice your feet. You will wear them for the entire night. Got it? Jim sighed. Fine, I got it, he said knowing that there was no getting out of it. The girls all grinned at each other, 
happy that they had gotten their way again. Amy couldn't resist teasing him about his shoes. She walked up to Jim, looked him up and down, and said, Those heels are so you, Jim. They're so cute. Jim blushed and looked away, even as all the girls laughed at him. Jim worked the night at the concession stand, trying to ignore the girls' constant teasing. He was grateful that the customers didn't notice his shoes for the most part. Although, if he went to get nachos, he had to step far enough away from the counter that an observant customer would be able to see the shoes. Every time he had to do this, his heart raced. He was grateful that it had been a slow night because otherwise he would have had to go in and out of the kitchen a lot more than he already had. The girls were never far away, and they would constantly remind him of his shoes. Hey, Jim, called Evelyn as she walked by with a large tray of popcorn. Can't believe you're wearing my shoes. I know they look much better on you than they ever did on me. Jim rolled his eyes as the other girls all laughed. Hey, Jim, shouted Amy from across the room. Do you ever look in the mirror and realize how cute you look in those heels? You should be proud of yourself. Jim felt his face redden in embarrassment. He wanted to get away from the teasing and the humiliation, but he knew he had to stay until his shift was over. Finally, at the end of the night, the girls all gathered around him, making it very clear who was in charge. Well, I guess it's time for us to go, said Kim. Don't forget our little arrangement, Jim. You have to wear the shoes until we all leave. Jim nodded, knowing he was stuck wearing the shoes a little while longer. The girls all said their goodbyes and walked out the door, leaving Jim standing there in his embarrassingly girly shoes. It was only when he watched them drive away that it occurred to him Evelyn had drove off with his shoes still on her feet. He'd have another long walk home in the heels despite his feet killing him. He sighed and began the long walk back home. For the first time, he seriously began thinking about quitting the drive-in. Jim stumbled out of the concession stand and hurriedly made his way home. His feet were still killing him and he was sure that he would have blisters in the morning. He was relieved that he didn't run into anyone he knew on his way, as he was sure they would have laughed at him for walking in Evelyn's shoes. Finally, after what seemed like an eternity, Jim made it back to his house. He was relieved to see that every light was off and knew it was safe to sneak up to his bedroom. He carefully made his way up the stairs and quietly opened his bedroom door. He knew that his family was fast asleep and he wouldn't be disturbed. He quickly took off the shoes and placed them in his closet, not wanting to look at them anymore. He changed into a pair of comfortable sweatpants and a t-shirt and got into bed. He laid there in the dark, replaying the entire night over in his head. He felt embarrassed, humiliated, and angry all at the same time. He was so sure that he had put up a fight, but he had let the girls walk all over him yet again. He vowed to himself that he wouldn't let that happen again, and soon, he was asleep. It wasn't until the next morning when he saw the blinking light on the answering machine and knew that he had a message. Hey Jim, it's your Uncle Larry. I know things at the drive-in haven't been easy, but I hope that since our talk the girls are treating you better. 
Don't tell your mother I said this, but sometime with girls you just have to let them know who the boss is. You'll get it. Anyway, I really appreciate you hanging in there for me. I really want to modernize that drive-in and I can't think of anybody better to help me with it than you. I think with some changes we could have a license to print money. Jim stared at Evelyn's shoes. They were so girly. They were high heel sandals with at least a three-inch heel and a delicate strap to wrap around the ankle. They were so much worse than the shoes he wore last night. You have to be joking, muttered Jim. We're not, said Valerie. Put them on. Jim's heart sank as he reluctantly put on the shoes and realized that his co-workers were going to continue the humiliation they put him through the night before. Evelyn helped Jim step into her shoes and tied the strap around his ankle as the other girls snickered. Jim felt the embarrassment wash over him yet again as he looked down at his feet encased in the girly sandals. His feet were still sore from the night before. But somebody will see, protested Jim. Yes, agreed Kim. Us. You're working concession so most people won't even notice your feet. You will wear them for the entire night. Got it? Jim sighed. Fine, I got it, he said, knowing that there was no getting out of it. The girls all grinned at each other, happy that they had gotten their way again. Amy couldn't resist teasing him about his shoes. She walked up to Jim, looked him up and down, and said, Those heels are so you, Jim. They're so cute. Jim blushed and looked away, even as all the girls laughed at him. Jim worked the night at the concession stand, trying to ignore the girls' constant teasing. He was grateful that the customers didn't notice his shoes for the most part. Although, if he went to get nachos, he had to step far enough away from the counter that an observant customer would be able to see the shoes. Every time he had to do this, his heart raced. He was grateful that it had been a slow night because otherwise he would have had to go in and out of the kitchen a lot more than he already had. The girls were never far away, and they would constantly remind him of his shoes. Hey, Jim, called Evelyn as she walked by with a large tray of popcorn. Can't believe you're wearing my shoes. I know they look much better on you than they ever did on me. Jim rolled his eyes as the other girls all laughed. Hey, Jim, shouted Amy from across the room. Do you ever look in the mirror and realize how cute you look in those heels? You should be proud of yourself. Jim felt his face redden in embarrassment. He wanted to get away from the teasing and the humiliation, but he knew he had to stay until his shift was over. Finally, at the end of the night, the girls all gathered around him, making it very clear who was in charge. Well, I guess it's time for us to go, said Kim. Don't forget our little arrangement, Jim. You have to wear the shoes until we all leave. Jim nodded, knowing he was stuck wearing the shoes a little while longer. The girls all said their goodbyes and walked out the door, leaving Jim standing there in his embarrassingly girly shoes. It was only when he watched them drive away that it occurred to him Evelyn had drove off with his shoes still on her feet. He'd have another long walk home in the heels despite his feet killing him. He sighed and began the long walk back home. For the first time, he seriously began thinking about quitting the drive-in. 
Jim stumbled out of the concession stand and hurriedly made his way home. His feet were still killing him, and he was sure that he would have blisters in the morning. He was relieved that he didn't run into anyone he knew on his way, as he was sure they would have laughed at him for walking in Evelyn's shoes. Finally, after what seemed like an eternity, Jim made it back to his house. He was relieved to see that every light was off and knew it was safe to sneak up to his bedroom. He carefully made his way up the stairs and quietly opened his bedroom door. He knew that his family was fast asleep and he wouldn't be disturbed. He quickly took off the shoes and placed them in his closet, not wanting to look at them anymore. He changed into a pair of comfortable sweatpants and a t-shirt and got into bed. He laid there in the dark, replaying the entire night over in his head. He felt embarrassed, humiliated, and angry all at the same time. He was so sure that he had put up a fight, but he had let the girls walk all over him yet again. He vowed to himself that he wouldn't let that happen again, and soon he was asleep. It wasn't until the next morning when he saw the blinking light on the answering machine and knew that he had a message. Hey Jim, it's your Uncle Larry. I know things at the drive-in haven't been easy, but I hope that since our talk the girls are treating you better. Don't tell your mother I said this, but sometime with girls you just have to let them know who the boss is. You'll get it. Anyway, I really appreciate you hanging in there for me. I really want to modernize that drive-in, and I can't think of anybody better to help me with it than you. I think with some changes, we could have a license to print money. I hope you liked that. That was Monica Loy reading the first book of um, the Drive-In Sissy. I hope you like it. I am Today, I just got through about the second half, of, or I got to the second half of the second book in the series, and... Uh, I definitely intend to keep this thing going, probably about four or five books, and I'd love it if she's willing to, to have Monica continue to narrate this particular story, and please let me know if you're enjoying it. I really appreciate your support. It's been tremendous, and uh, I know all my narrators appreciate it too. Have a wonderful week. I will be back next week. I hope you will be too. Bye-bye.